Hey, before we get to our show today, we want to tell you to check out the NPR One app for your telephone. As the summer winds down, check out the NPR One app to find new shows and stories for the beach or your road trip. Who doesn't love listening to National Public Radio at the beach? Great hand-curated podcasts and stories are always ready when you are on NPR One. Find it on your app store. NPR O-N-E. Hey, Jade, what can we help you with? Well, here's the thing is um, my wife oftentimes likes to share her dreams that she has at night, which, which is wonderful because my wife is a pretty shy person, and I want to be a good husband who listens, but I think what happens when my wife is telling me, relating her dreams, is that part in your brain that kind of blocks out things that, like when you're driving, you know, you pay attention to the traffic signals and the stop signs, but you don't pay attention to the other things around you. I think that kind of blocks because I can't really picture my wife's dreams. Uh, what's your wife's name? Bonnie. So, I mean, I, I think that, there, you know, there, there's one thing people always say is, you know, share a dream, lose a reader. Like, a, it's kind of a notorious thing that's hard to listen to or hard to, to read. Oh, well, good, because I... My uh, my brother said there's kind of no way that I'm going to come out of this looking good that I ask a question on how to how to listen to my wife's dreams. But uh, I appreciate that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not alone in this. I also think your brother could still be right. <laughs> well, that'd be all right. Maybe if I if I get a little correction here, that'd be fine too. Jade, is there a particular dream you can kind of tell us about that Bonnie's told you that was tough for you? Boy, um, well, therein lies the lies the issue. No. Not really. <laughs> There's a no. When I'm standing there and she'll she'll relate a dream, and I, all I can think is, I love this woman so much. She's she's born me a <laughs> child, and but I I'm it's like my brain doesn't engage with the story that she's telling me. Yeah, I feel, I feel I end up feeling guilty at the end of it. Is the truth of it, and I just but I can't even. It's like it doesn't even go in my ears when she's talking, and and I'll be there for a while. Uh, is can I ask, is Bonnie there? Um. She is. She's uh. Yeah, she is available. Yeah. I. I. You did mention she's. She's shy, and so we. We wouldn't want to put her on the spot. But um. Could we talk? Would you think it would be okay if we talked to her? Is it alright if I talk to you, babe? Okay. She. She said that'd be just fine. Hello. Hey, Bonnie. Hello. What's going on? Nothing much. Is this weird? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Jade told you what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. So what happens? What happens when uh, you tell Jade about a dream? What what do you see going on on his face? Um, he seems to, you know, he tries to feign interest, hmm. but he kind of just continues doing what he's doing and just says, "Uh huh, wow." St- but like he, you know, keeps doing what he's doing. He tries. Well, let's try. Let's try this. I have okay. an idea. Would you tell us about a dream? Okay. All right. Uh, before before Bonnie starts telling us her dream here, uh, we're going to bring in uh, someone to help. It's John Lucas. He's a screenwriter. He co-wrote The Hangover and some other movies. He's also a script doctor. So, John, can you tell us what that means? Uh, sure. There's there's lots of varieties, but the simple the simple version is 
Uh, most movies that you see have gone through lots and lots and lots of writers for a variety of reasons, sometimes creative, sometimes political. And uh, a script doctor is usually someone who comes in after a script's been written and, you know, just does another polish. Or if, some, if there's an actor that comes aboard and likes a certain writer, they might bring their writer on. Uh, or, you know, if there's a director that uh, that's worked with a, a writer, for, they might come on the movie and then, oh, I want my guy to punch up the movie, something like that. And, and how, how severe are we talking about when it comes to punch-ups? Are you rewriting, like, major... It can vary. There's a thing called a page one, which is, like, uh, what it sounds like. You just literally throw out the whole thing and you might just keep the core idea or some of the characters. And then there's literally someone who comes in who's more like a surgeon who does just little things here and there to tweak, maybe tweak a voice of a character if... You know, if there's a, uh, let's say you got someone from England on your movie, a British actor, suddenly that all the all the sort of Americanized lines aren't going to make sense. It could be it could be as small as that. Are there any good examples or famous examples of page one rewrites that the movie that we saw was completely different than the movie that it started out as? Oh, I'm sure. You know, you, there's rumors about movies that literally go into production, and production often is launched when an actor. If, if you have, if you're the whole. The whole process is usually dictated by when your cast is available. So, for example, you know, you've, I've heard stories about movies where they go into production without a script. They just they have a lead actor who's available this for this little window of time, and they, they know they need they know they're gonna, there's going to be a big train sequence. So they'll start building that <laughs> pre-production, and meanwhile, there's a writer working very very fast to try to crank out a whole movie in, in the stretch of time it takes them to pre-produce the movie, which. These are generally not movies that turn out very well. Uh, yeah. I personally think that, you know, like anything else, it's sadly, the, it's very hard to write really good stuff really quickly. That, like all writing, it takes most, most great writing. It's just great editing. You just keep going over and over and over again. So uh, it's, it's fairly rare that you hear about that. That movie that you loved was usually not written really quickly by some guy in a trailer. It was usually written over time. Okay, so I think... I think we should we should get into Bonnie's dream if, okay. if you're ready. <laughs> nice. So, By the way, I uh, personally I think this is a great uh, episode because I, I I totally stand by as a writer that uh, the dream story. I don't know how we we can't really outlaw them, but by now they are generally just terrible stories. So I fully support uh, Jade's quest. I think <laughs> the, the wonderful idea. Okay, so you know, feel free be as uh, be as brutal an editor a rewriter <laughs> as you okay. want. Um, so what what we're thinking is that we will script Doctor. We will improve the script of Bonnie's dream. So I think it was nighttime, and we were in a really big house. It was me and him and my daughter. There was lots of random people there. Some some of them were our friends and family, and some of them were just strangers that I have no idea where their faces came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're being chased throughout the whole dream. We were just being chased for forever, and it was so scary and intense, and they kept these people, I don't know who they were, kept almost catching us, like, over and over and over again. And we were just in this never-ending house that was, like, it was a combination of my dad's house and our house and and another friend's house. So it sounds pretty, this is pretty much standard dream stuff, John. <laughs> right, this is a pretty... Uh... Uh, pretty yeah. This feels this feels like a familiar dream. That's the place to start. There's also like a lack of specificity. Like there's just people chasing you. It's better if you could describe that to make it a little more interesting. Like punch up the villain a little bit, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense. And then 
I remember we were about to get caught, like, after so many times of, like, hiding under stairs and hiding behind furniture. Then we were behind a couch, and we were crouching, and we were trying to be quiet, and we, they were almost about to catch us. They were, like, right there. And then the most amazing thing happened. My brain flipped it, and we, like, teleported outside. All of a sudden, we were outside. Whoa. It was like, oh, we're going to get caught. Oh, we're outside. I will say the, tele- the teleporting outside is why I think dream stories are so frustrating because it's like there's, there's no rules. You can just kind of do anything right. all the time. So I would lose the teleporting. Okay. I think it's better. I think the story is better when it stays kind of grounded, like you're just kind of running around. Once you know you have teleportation, you're kind of like asking, like, why don't you just teleport out of this dream? Yeah. Um, so let's lose that. I think we've got to pull that out. Okay, we're safe. And so we're running. We're running through our backyard, but it's like gigantic. And so we run into our backfield. And we're about to hop the neighbor's fence, and we can see that the people are co- in the distance. The people are coming out of the house, and we're trying to get over our neighbor's fence into their backyard. But they have horses, and their horses are like killer horses this time, and so they won't let us get over the fence. I like. I gotta say, I like the horse. The killer horses is kind of a fun idea. I think you know, honestly, if if you guys are going to use that, I could try to, I could professionally steal that if that's okay. Um, Never heard of killer horses. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would keep the killer horses. That's a great. It's uh, a great touch. I, I don't really know how horses. <laughs> horses. They're such beloved animals in our society. I feel like it's like having a killer seal or a killer puppy. It's it's an interesting concept. Should we uh, throw in some killer puppies too? Do you I think? like that. Why not? They're and that's who's riding them. Like the puppies are on the horses. I don't know. Why okay. not? Like. Yeah. Um, this dream is getting good. By the way, I'm now actually pretty excited about this dream. Um, <laughs> And then, okay, so they just keep, so they're still running and running, is there, and and that's kind of, uh... Well... And we were so scared of these horses, they were, like, pawing at us and making weird noises, and then it kind of fades out from there. I don't think we ever got over the fence, but I'm not sure we ever got caught. I think I woke up or something. But that's it, it? It was crazy intense. So, you, so there's no conclusion. No, there was no conclusion, which hmm. was kind of terrible. <laughs> okay, that that's not a great ending. Uh... The fade out in the middle of action. I guess it's kind of like the end of The Sopranos or something. It's a little just like it's a little artsy for if we're, yeah. if we're going for a big mainstream dream. Yeah. I think you want a little more, you know, a little more conclusion. I don't know. Like I, I will say, you know, they always say you can't die in your own dreams. Is that true? Have you heard that? Am I? No, I've heard that for well, sure. Well, if you do die, then you die in real life. I've heard yes, that. Yeah, that feels like one of those funny things you hear as a kid. But I, I don't know if, yeah. So maybe you die at the. I mean, I don't know if that's like a crazy ending, but at least that would be surprising. It would, it would be a nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. I don't know. It might just be a, a little twist on the end because no. you're always expecting people to survive at these things. Well, so, okay, so let's do that. How should how should uh, she die? Did we? Where did we leave her? With the killer horses? Yeah, she's up against the fence with the killer horses. <laughs> in general, like, I don't, I don't do a lot of action movie stuff, but in general I often feel like when, when there's a sudden death at the end of the movie, you often want it to be kind of a surprise. So if there's killer horses, you would actually want it to be something else. So mm-hmm. kind of, you know what I mean? It's more of a left hook. Uh, more of a surprise. I don't know who else. Who else can we throw in there? I mean, I, I think I would just pick someone the, the sort of most benevolent. If you're really going for the surprise ending, I would go for the most benevolent character in the dream, whether it's like someone's sweet relative or a, a friendly neighbor who does the uh, the final act. That might be a nice surprise at the end. Could I mean it could be? It seems like it could be Jade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Let's go. Let's. Try. Give it a shot. I mean, Jade started this whole thing to begin with. He's the antagonist. Oh, oh, yeah. So maybe is he chasing her because she's told too many dreams? Is that why? Is that what's launched this whole thing? I mean, it's possible. Like, is it meta? Is it like a story within a story? Is that where we're going? 
Jade has maybe um, recruited an army of spouses <laughs> that are tired of hearing about their partner's dreams. I think that's a great, yeah, it's like a, it's a secret group. It's like, because people always like secret groups, like shadowy organizations, uh-huh. you know what I mean? And Jade, I mean, Jade is her ultimate ally. They're running away together, but when they're pinned against the fence... He turns on her because she is the ultimate culprit of telling yes. unfortunate dream stories. Yep. I love it. This is, honestly, this is better than the last thing I wrote. This is great. (laughs) Thanks a lot, John. All right, man. Take care. In a house at night, Bonnie and Jade are pursued by members of a secret, shadowy organization. What do they want? What has Bonnie done? And why does Jade keep winking at them? Because of foreshadowing. That's why. They're hiding under the couch, and they're about to get caught. How do they get away? Well, they definitely don't teleport. They dress up as furniture and sneak outside. No one questions why the Ottoman can walk. Outside, they encounter bloodthirsty killer horses, uh, ridden by killer puppies. Who the hell wrote this? The killer horses have them cornered against a fence. The killer horses, who again, are ridden by killer puppies. The secret soldiers reveal they're there to stop people from telling their dreams. Jade steps forward from against the fence. Bonnie, it was me all along. Everybody dies. The end. It's now the part of our show where we want to take a break and tell you about our sponsors. This week, that's True TV. Misconceptions, myths, and marketing ploys are all around us. It's an ironic thing to talk about in the middle of a marketing segment. Anyway, thankfully, Adam Conover is back with new episodes of True TV's Adam Ruins Everything to reveal the awful truth about everything you take for granted. The electric car won't stop climate change. Buying a home is a terrible investment. And divorce is actually good for society. What's next? Your family doesn't love you. It's a comedy that will make you see the world a little differently. Check out Adam Ruins Everything Tuesdays at 10 on True TV. Well, that does it for this week's show. What did you learn, Ian? Well, I, I learned a little bit about what script doctors do in, uh-huh. in Hollywood. I think that's a cool job. Yeah. I think it would be bad... Uh, yeah, that's a serious title. I think it would be, be bad if um, you ended up having your appendectomy done by a script doctor. You wonder if, if that were the case, if the script doctor would be like, you know what, uh, getting your appendix out is kind of boring. Let's have you donate a kidney. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take out your heart. Just see what happens. Yeah. Uh, it was really create some drama. It's a better story, Ian. I'm going to attach your head to a goat. It's going to be huge. Summer blockbuster. Do you think that when they are doing that, is it like an operating room? I need a zinger stat. How to Do Everything is produced by Nadia Wilson with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Gavin. Gavin, uh, you did great work, but I did notice you spent a lot of time working on your hair. But hey, it looks great. Keep keep doing what you're doing. Our artist in residence is Justin Witte. You can send us your questions. Send them to us at howto at npr.org. I I wonder if we could wonder if we could script doctor that that part of the show this part of the show. 
Maybe just give a different email address. Different email. Yeah. Okay. You can send us your questions. Send them to us at anderson.cooper at cnn.com. Our website is petersagelscrapbook.net slash geocities.com. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, this show is finally over. But if you're still hungry to learn more, to hear more, we want to recommend another podcast, NPR's All Songs Considered. In any given year, there are more than 100,000 albums released. 100,000? That's nearly 2,000 albums a week. You couldn't listen to all that, no matter how many ears you had. That's why there's NPR's All Songs Considered. Hosts Bob Boylan and Robin Hilton find the best of the best songs for you to fall in love with. They personally guarantee they've listened to all 100,000 albums a year, end to end. They promise you that. If you have any quarrel with them, just email them at wolf.blitzer at cnn.com.